Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good to see you. I'm Pastor Mark. Welcome to Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We're glad that you're here, especially if you're visiting for the first time or maybe one of your first few times. Uh, We're glad that you're here and trust that you will experience God in uh, the worship and the fellowship and, and as we look to his word. Today we are starting a new series entitled The Gospel Explained. And this series is taken entirely from the book of Romans. Um, This is our longest series to date. It's 23 weeks. And I mentioned this to one of our leaders, and he said, not long enough. (laughs) He knows the book of Romans, that it would take a lifetime to unpack and apply everything that is revealed in Paul's writing. For those who may not know, Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote to the Christians in Rome around 58 AD. This was about 25 years after he became a follower of Christ. It's interesting how we use the term follower in today's digital culture. Having followers is now a thing. And uh, for some people, having a lot of followers is a big thing. Who you follow reveals who you like. At the moment, the most followed person on the internet is a soccer player by the name of, anybody know? Cristiano Ronaldo. He has 206 million followers on Instagram. Of course, following Jesus is more than subscribing to his photo journal. In this series, we'll get a different picture of what that looks like. The collection of books you see on the screen illustrates the idea that Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome is an extensive explanation about life in his kingdom. It's so extensive that we'll take 23 weeks just introducing you to the major themes of Paul's writing. To understand the significance of what Paul is teaching, it'll help to remember two things. Number one, Paul had a personal encounter with Jesus. After he went, after he resurrected and went back to be with the Father, Paul had an an encounter with Jesus on earth in his glorified form. If you recall the story, Paul was on his way to imprison Christians. And uh, a bright light shone, so bright, so strong, it knocked him down. And when he said, who is that? He heard a voice that said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. After this experience, Paul was blind. As we know, for three days, he went without food during that time until Ananias was sent by God, went to pray for him for his sight to be revealed, uh, healed, And then he took food and was strengthened. And it says, immediately, Paul went into the synagogues and began preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Scripture reports that Paul immediately went to go preach in the synagogues. And so 
that's the first thing to keep in mind. Paul had a personal encounter with Jesus in his glorified form. The second thing to keep in mind is Paul had another encounter with Jesus, only this time he was taken up into heaven. He said in that experience, he saw and heard things that you can't even express in words. He was sharing this experience in the context of how he was humbled by God to keep him from exalting himself because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Now, all of this background is just to help us realize that when Paul explains his teaching in the book of Romans, we're not reading about somebody's philosophy of life. Paul is sharing the most important things you can possibly know in light of eternity. He's already been there and come back. And so with this in mind, I want to encourage us just to pray and ask that the Lord would allow us to understand, to have wisdom, to have insight, to have discernment about his word as we go through this series in the book of Romans. Let's pray. Father, your word says that all scripture is inspired by God. Lord, these are your thoughts. This is your heart and mind. Lord, I thank you that you've not left us alone to try and interpret, but through our relationship with you, you've given us your spirit so that you can personally speak and reveal to impart to allow us to know your mind and your heart. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us just to humble ourselves and to lay down our relying on self, relying on our own understanding. Lord, whatever is not faith of faith, whatever is not trusting you is sin. So help us to trust you even in our understanding of everything about life in your kingdom. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just hover over our minds and our hearts, over our assembly here today, and that your spirit would speak to us personally about the things of life. Lord, you're the teacher. You're the counselor. And Lord, give us teachable hearts. Help us be able to listen Lord, help us to be teachable. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. 
And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you, day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. What I'd like to do is have us go back and just take one section at a time. This passage is so rich, we could spend a number of weeks just on this passage to do a series. There are many gold nuggets. Uh, we're just going to highlight a couple of them today. Verses 1 through 5. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, Chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. The Apostle Paul is clear about the good news. The good news is not five steps to be successful. He makes it very clear the good news is not the secret to success. The good news is about Jesus and what he did for us. And this is Paul's introduction to his most complete writing about life in God's kingdom. So if we stay focused on Jesus and what he did for us, we can make better sense of the many things revealed in the book of Romans in the next 23 weeks. Yesterday, the children were here. They were learning about the greatest journey. Uh, now it's your turn. Paul's revelation in the book of Romans is an important guide to your life in the kingdom of God. 
God himself will be your tour guide. In verses 6 through 9, you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. I'll just pause there for a moment. For those of you who don't know, uh, the founding pastor of our church is Taylor Stewart. He was here for 12 years. During those 12 years, there were many people on the East Coast. He's from North Carolina. There are many people from the East Coast, family, friends, and from his church family, who were supporting the work here on Guam both financially and in prayer, as Taylor and Elizabeth talked about what God is doing in this part of the world. At the same time, about 20 years ago, there were teams of young missionaries from Manila to join what God was doing by sharing the good news of God's love and forgiveness here on Guam, primarily at the University of Guam. That's how, for those who don't know, this church got started. It used to be a Bible study of students on the campus of UOG. In the early days, it was known as the youth group church. And then they grew up and got married and had kids and got jobs, and now we have a lot of young families. But that's how it started in the beginning. And the reason I'm telling you this is there are people all around the world who rejoice when they hear about your faith. There are many people who pray and bring your needs in prayer before God. Um, when when they visit here, when they see posts on the internet, when they're talking and praying behind your back, <laughs> they're praising God for what he's doing here because they put in time and sweat here with the work of God on Guam. This is Paul's heart too. In this next section, Paul says, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity God willing to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that, I, that will help you grow strong in the Lord. I highlight this because Paul is expressing something that we too can relate to. It's something that we feel when we've been touched by God's presence. We also want our family and friends to be able to experience God. Uh, you know that feeling you have when you invite somebody maybe to your life group? Maybe you invite them to church, or maybe it was to the Festival of Hope. Do you remember that feeling you have when they show up? Or remember that feeling that you have when they don't show up? There is a longing inside to see them experience God and to grow strong in the Lord. We just finished our discipleship series it was a three-week series. Uh, week one was about be one, be a disciple. Week two was teach one. Week three was walk with one. I'd like to add a fourth idea to connect today's message with that series. It was be one, teach one, walk with one. I also want to add go to one. We have this display on the wall to your left says, I am Andrew. And we've been praying for those people leading up to the Festival of Hope. 
I'd like us to continue praying for those people, but now to switch. Instead of saying, hey, we invite you to come and be in my world, I want us to go and be in their world. And so the focus from here on is outreach. The focus is to go to one. There are different kinds of visits. There are in-visits and there are out-visits. And very often, we invite people to come and experience an in-visit with us. But not everybody is going to come here. Not everybody is going to go to the Festival of Hope. Not everybody is going to go to a life group meeting. But you can go to where they are, and you can bring the church to them. Paul said, I always pray for the opportunity to see you. He said, I long to visit you. And that was Paul's feeling. And as we study the book of Romans, there's a tendency to try and understand the book of Romans with our mind. But, I, but we would be missing a big part. We also need to read between the lines and read what Paul was feeling. He said, if we could go back to the previous slide. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you, for I long to visit you. That was his heart's desire. Imagine in those days, no airplanes, no cars. He made the tremendous effort to travel all the way to Rome. Granted, he did that as a prisoner, but, but that was just a very difficult trip, and yet that was his desire to be there with the Christians in Rome. I want to invite you, as we go through this 23-week series, to study with us the book of Romans in your personal time. And if you would like to follow along, uh, here's a list of the seven weeks that uh, are coming up. We can go ahead and switch to the next slide. Um, we're going to circulate this in our chat groups. It's on our Facebook page. You can see it there or maybe take a picture of it if you like. But when you read, allow me to suggest um, a way of reading the book of Romans. Because it's so rich, you have to go through it really slowly like a fine-tooth comb. When I was a young Christian, I had a friend named John. John was an older, more mature Christian. I was just new to the faith, just learning. And John said, well, would you like to get together to study the Bible? And so every morning, he'd get his cup of coffee, he'd walk to my dorm room, and uh, we'd sit in my dorm, and we would go through the book of Romans. Uh, we started out in Romans chapter 6, and we would just take one verse at a time. And what we would do is I would just get out my journal, and I would just write down observation. We can go to the next slide. And I would read a verse, and I would just write down some thoughts that I had about it. And then I would try to understand, okay, well, what does that mean to me? In today's context, how is that relevant today? That would be interpretation. And then based on how it's relevant to me, then the next step is, okay, well, what can I do with that? How can I apply it? And so just three simple steps, observation, interpretation, application. And that's not just a Bible study method. That's also a good method for discipleship. If you want to make a disciple, studying God's word is a tremendous investment. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt the 26th president of the United States said this, a thorough understanding of the Bible 
of God's word is more valuable than a college education. I, I totally believe that. You can spend tens of thousands of dollars in our institutions of higher learning and not get the wisdom that is found just in the book of Proverbs alone. The Bible will reveal to you how reality works. It will reveal to you how relationships work. It'll reveal, it'll reveal to you how you can experience God and his presence and his protection, his provision, and his blessing in your life. You won't get that through a college degree. A thorough understanding of God's word is more valuable than a college education. I want to go back to verse 5. The very bottom there, Paul says, Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles, and then the part in red, to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. Why? So that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. So how do we bring glory to his name? Or another way of saying this is, how can we honor God? Well, the answer is in the verse. If we focus on what God has done for you, it will be easier to believe and obey. You know, in any helping relationship, people will ask three questions. Number one, can I trust you? Uh, number two, can you help me? And number three, do you care? Those are questions people may not say it out loud. They may not even be consciously aware of it. But we are thinking and feeling those things in the background of relationships. It's the same with God. The same is true with him. The better you know him, the easier it is to trust him. You know, when I was younger, my mom used to take us to visit her parents. They lived way out in the middle of nowhere on this back country road in Montana. Beautiful country. Um, beautiful countryside in the foothills of the Continental Divide. Uh, that's the mountain range that goes from Canada down through Montana, Wyoming, Colorado. Just beautiful um, area. In the summertime, sometimes it would get to be over 100 degrees. And on the backside of my grandfather's property, there was this river flowing through the backside of the field. And um, it was about as wide as from this stage to that back wall. And <clears throat> there was a wooden bridge that uh, crossed it. And uh, you could tell it was really old-fashioned. These heavy-duty planks that made two tracks, and only one car could pass at a time. And so we used to go down to the bridge in the super hot weather, and we'd jump into the river. And in the middle of the river, it's about nine feet deep, and it's, it's swift-moving water, and it's ice cold, like snow melting out of the mountains. And uh, so you'd be taken downstream, and you'd swim sideways and get over to the bank and then crawl out, and the air was so dry and so hot, like in five minutes you would be dry. And that was just the funnest thing we did when we were kids. So I grew up and uh, followed the tradition, and I took my kids to go visit my grandparents. And I tell them the story about jumping off the bridge. You're like, Dad, when are we going to jump off the bridge? And uh, so my older one, Tara, she's probably about seven. Nicole's about five. And uh, Tara, she's a little toughy. She's an adventure person. We have this thing. We love cliff jumping. 
But Nicole, she's a little younger. She's small. She's only five years old. I'm not sure she's up to this extreme sport. <laughs> and um, so I take her there, and Nicole, Tara and I are jumping off, and I said, hey, Nicole, you want to do it? And she's like, yeah. And I said, like, you sure? And I said, okay. So I got a life jacket for her, and I took her down to the riverbed side, and I, it's ice cold water. And I said, this is really cold. I want you to test it, see if you really want to do this. So I splashed water on her legs. I said, you feel that? She's like, yeah. I said, you think you can handle that? She's like, yeah, I want to do it. So we walk up the bank. We get up on the bridge. By this time, cars had seen us jumping off the bridge. And so people were stopping. And uh, they were joining us. We had started a movement. <laughs> we're out there in the middle of nowhere. And we got this little this party going. And um, so Nicole's got her life vest on. We get up over the rail. And we're standing there. And I'm going, are you ready? She's like, yeah. One two, three, and we jump. And because of the distance, it's probably about um, from this gray beam up here down to the floor. Because of the distance, I plunge all the way to the bottom. My feet hit rock bottom. But because she has on this life vest, she just, bloop, she just floats right at the top. And so she's up there flowing downstream, and I'm gone. I'm underwater. <laughs> and she's just, for her, the two seconds seemed like forever. And I'm feeling it, too. I'm popping up. I'm concerned about her. And I'm like, you okay? She's like, yeah. And we start swimming to the side, and we make it out. Later, after we're talking about how fun that was, uh, my mom's sister was there. Her name is Frances. And Aunt Frances, she looked at me, and she said, Mark, she said, wow. She said, the trust. That was something. You know, in that moment, because of Nicole's trust in me, she made me look like a really good parent. <laughs> That's how it is with God. If we will trust him, people will watch and they will be amazed. Like you made it through that, trusting God, that's what it means to glorify God and to honor God. It's about making him look good. I don't know what that might be for you. I don't know what that step of trusting God means for you. But I, I want you to think for a moment, what is that step? What might that be for you? Something, you know, my, my daughter standing on the edge of that railing on the bridge, she had never done that before. She's only five years old. There are things we've never done before. But God may invite you to do something new. And would you be willing to trust him and say, God, I know you're with me. You're going to jump with me. And, and I'm going to trust. You know, I, I tell you, that is one of the most exciting experiences you can have. I just love those moments when I feel like God is leading me to say something or do something. I don't know if this fits. I don't know if this is going to work. I just want to obey him, and I do. And then he comes through, and you're like, whoo-hoo! You're like coming out of that ice-cold water. You're just full of life. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever it is that God's encouraging you to do, even if you've never done it before, Trust him. When you know he's in it and you know he's with you, it's going to be exciting. 
I want to go to the very last section of this passage, verses 14 to 17. Just read the part in red. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. When you tell people what God has done for them, it has the power to change them. When you tell people about God's goodness, that message has the power to give them hope. When you tell people that God forgives them, he works through that message by the power of his spirit to give them a new life. When you tell people that God loves them, he works through those words to transform them. And if you need a picture to make that more real, I have one for you. Everything I'm saying, we can go ahead to the next slide. Everything I'm saying about the power of God's message to give hope, to give new life, to transform people, happened at the Festival of Hope. It happened because Franklin Graham simply said, God will forgive you. And it doesn't matter what you have done. God will forgive you. He'll forgive you. And most of you were there. And you saw the response. Many people couldn't even get into the altar area because it filled up, backed up into the aisles like a traffic jam. If you need a visual of the power of the gospel, that was the power right there. Do not underestimate the power of good news. I want to encourage you to keep it simple. Just share the good news that God loves and God forgives. Give people a chance to receive Christ. Give them the opportunity to express their decision in a prayer. Lead them in the salvation prayer and you will see the power of the good news change somebody's life. You know, it's not up to us and our persuasiveness, our cleverness, no technique. It's just simply sharing God loves and God forgives and allow people to be able to experience him. He will do the impossible. He will do the heavy lifting of being able to enter into their life and transform them and change them to be the person that he designed them to be. Lead them in a salvation prayer and you will see the power of the good news change someone's life. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've kept it simple. Yes, Lord, there are some things that are great mysteries that we will never understand until we're in your presence. But the most important thing that we need to know now, you've made it so that even a child can hear, understand, and respond. So Lord, I pray that you would help us not to get complicated, not to get tricky. Lord, just to be simple, to share your love, your forgiveness and watch and see what you will do. Lord, help us not just to be a disciple or to teach one or to walk with one, but also to go to one. Lord, for many of us, 
there are challenges that we face, there are distractions, there are concerns and burdens, even fears that would hinder, that would create a hesitancy, Lord, that would keep us still. Lord, these are the areas where we are learning to trust. You know what those challenges are. And Father, I pray that you would reveal your love because perfect love cast out all fear and that you would enable us to take a step of trusting you, whatever that means. And so as you're listening, I want to invite you to take some time and do some business with God and just ask him, what is that thing that he's inviting you to trust him with? And I want to give you an opportunity as that becomes clear to respond, to trust him and say, God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to do it your way. And I'm going to watch and see what you will do. And so just take a moment to do some business with God. Lord, you see every one of us here in this room. And you know our circumstance. And you understand how we're feeling. And I pray that you would encourage each one in the midst of the unknown, Lord, in the midst of the new, I pray that you would help each one of us trust you. And if that's become clear to you, whatever that is, I just want to give you a chance to say, yes, Lord. I want to walk with you through this. Lord, you see every response. You know every heart. For everyone that is turned toward you, God, I ask that you would strengthen and encourage and comfort and speak truth that sets free. And if you would keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want to address another group that might be here today. As you're listening to me talk about experiencing God, that's something that you've been thinking about lately. But you know that you've never actually made a conscious decision, you've never made a formal choice to invite him to be involved in your life, but you've been thinking about it. And if that describes you and you would like to make that choice today to let him come into your life, I want to give you a chance to do that. The most important thing is simply that it's your desire, it's what you want. And then secondly, expressing that to God. And so what we'll do in a moment is We'll express that to him. That's what we call prayer. I'll pray out loud. And you can join me. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if that describes you, what I'd like you to do is go ahead and look up. And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so go ahead and look up at this time. And then we'll pray together in a moment. Over here. Yes, okay, I see you. Anybody else? And there, okay, good. Anybody else? In the back? Yes? 
Okay, good. And I don't want to miss anybody. If I scan by you, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Back here? Okay. And here. Very good. And, okay, I see you there. And there. Very good. Let's pray. God, I'm here today because you've been getting my attention recently. I've been sensing that there's something I need, and I'm realizing that it's you. And so I'm making a choice. I'm choosing to open up. I want to invite you to be in my life. And so I, I receive you. I invite you to come in by your spirit, to dwell with my spirit. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done. Lord, you know those things that have been hurtful, either to myself or to others. And I ask you to forgive me for all of them. I thank you for Jesus. What he did for me on the cross, he took my place so that I don't have to pay the penalty. And so, God, I receive your forgiveness through Jesus. I invite your spirit of forgiveness and love to come into my life, and I ask that you would cleanse me and wash away the guilt. Lord, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you remove any condemnation, any self-judgment, Lord, I ask that you would enable me to enter into your forgiveness and experience a new beginning. Lord, I ask that you would change me, make me the kind of person you want me to be. Show me the way you intended life to be lived in relationship with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to all who prayed.